From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Man Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Man Cometh! I'm a Gen Can't. Mark's a Gen Can't. What do you call me? This week is all Gen Con. Mm. Not us Gen Can'ts. Because we can't go. We didn't go. We, we weren't couldn't. able to go. We couldn't. We are the Dice Men Cometh, but we didn't cometh to Gen Con. We, we didn't goeth. We did not goeth indeed. And tonight on episode 272 of Australia's longest serving board game podcast. You, Feels like that sometimes. You get less for way more serious crimes, that's for sure. We are going to be featuring an on-the-ground interview live from Gen Con that... Uh, my fellow Dice Man Mark did a bright and early last Saturday morning mm-hmm. with one David Harding from Grail Games, who has been a longtime friend of the show, a longtime supporter of the show, and a, uh, a publisher that we've had a lot of um, great relationships with, really. Yes, we've had yes. some good games. We've told them that some of the games not to our fancy, but that's okay. <laughs> it's an honest and open relationship, and that's what we at the Dice Men Cometh are all about. Absolutely. Now, Leon is not here. He's making chocolate for the night. We have a busy show because of Gen Con. Mm-hmm. We've got massive interviews. We've then got some talking about some new games that we have played only recently, which have nothing to do with Gen Con. No. But they may or may not break your heart. Who knows? So, look, let's get straight to it. I'm Garth. He's Mark. It's episode 272 of The Dice Men Cometh. And here is your first song before we come back. An interview. Hi guys, it's Sarah from Melbourne. It was a pleasure to beat you at BorderCon this year. Looking forward to doing it again next year. Well, there you go, geezers. That was Dizzy Rascal with Bonkers on the Dice Men Come of Light. You're Bonkers. So, back to reality. Gen Con is done and dusted for another year. Anyone who's got any board game affiliations has had their Facebook and socials absolutely lambasted with all the news that is right to print. But we, yes, we have the news that was live on the ground, the inside word. And Mark woke up bright and early and put on his interview dressing gown to talk to David Harding from Grail Games. Well, you wouldn't believe it. It's 8am on a Saturday morning here in Australia, but I've dragged my sorry backside out of bed because we have a special correspondent on the floor of the biggest four days in gaming, and that is Gen Con in Indianapolis, Indiana. That man, let's just call him one of Australia's board gaming family of royalty, <coughs> none other than David Harding from Grail Games. How are you, Dave? Oh, it's so good to hear an Australian accent. Really? And, and no offence to America, all right? But sometimes you just want to hang out with... One of your own for a bit, or failing that at Tasmania. So <laughs> it's great to hear your voice. Happy to be here. <laughs> Look, that's really great. Now, David, first of all, Grail Games. I feel like you have. I don't know whether you've had a bit of a bit of a hiatus. We haven't heard from you for a little while now. That just maybe because you don't like us. But I, I know you've got a bit on now. You're there in uh, Gen Con, and you've got a few games with you. Yeah. What are your main wares that you're hawking there in Gen Con? 
Grail hasn't put out anything new for a few months, so it's a bit weird to be at Gen Con with what you'd call in the industry very old games from a few months ago. <laughs> yes. But, well, for those who care, we're selling Stevenson's Rocket here, we're selling Boomerang, and we've got a few copies of Kashgar, Crisscross, and Elevenses as well. But, yeah, it's been really good. I mean, at the end of the second day, so halfway, and Boomerang's pretty much gone. Elevens has he's got four copies left, and Stevenson's Rocket will be gone, so I can't complain. It's been great. Wow, that's awesome. Now, we know about Stevenson's Rocket. I know we mentioned that one a while ago. The one you didn't mention, and I thought this might have been maybe a bit of a hot property at Gen Con, Yellow and Yangtze. Did you run out of copies? Oh, yeah, so that sold out like two or three weeks ago. It was going to be here. Oh, no. We launched it last Gen Con, but yeah, it's sold out. But the new printing will be out in about a month or so. So I'm flattered. It's great, fantastic, but it just couldn't be at Gen Con. Now, tell us a little bit about Boomerang. I mean, you couldn't get much more of an Aussie game. You guess you could have called it G'day Mate Kangaroo Vegemite, but um, Boomerang, tell us about it. Yeah. You know what, though? Before that, you just reminded me, I had a great idea for a new Australian game, right? Yes. We were waiting in a queue here somewhere, and I was like, someone said you should make a game called, because they're American, they said put a shrimp on the barbie, and I was like, you know what would be a great game? Here's the name, right? Yeah. That's not a knife. <laughs> and what you're doing is you're trying to figure out who has the biggest knife, and if you reveal your knife and it's not the biggest, you lose, you know? <laughs> yes. So it's not probably the number one Australian game you could do, yeah. but it's pretty up there. It's Boomerang, yeah. It's by an American, but anyway, it's got arms of tiny... Actually, this is Tiny Epic Australia, really. Oh, fantastic. Have you ever played, and I'm saying this because I know you have, it's a lead-in question because I'm trying to sell it. Have you ever played a roll-and-write game, Mark? I have. So this is a draft-and-write game. Ooh. So it feels like a roll-and-write game. You've got a score pad you're filling in, but instead of rolling dice, you're drafting cards around the table. Hence the name Boomerang. They come back again, right? <laughs> and as you collect the cards, you're visiting different places in Australia and doing different things, marking it off in your sheet in different ways. So the underlying theme is sort of travel, is that right? Yeah. Okay. In fact, i got a bit of a scoop for you. Oh, yes. Um, it's in the kitty litter over there. No, the scoop is that there's going to be two more games, one traveling around America and one Europe, because people seem to be loving, I mean, I'm sounding like really big-headed, the feedback I've been getting that this draft and write thing is pretty cool. So there's going to be three in a series soon-ish, but yeah, it's pretty cool. You should try it. Well, if you send us a copy, we will. <laughs> All right, so I'll send you the bill and then I'll give you the copy. Of course, we always pay our way. <laughs> On that point, there's a game called On Tour. Did you see that on Kickstarter? Yeah. Which is a little, as I understand it, roll and write where you're moving around a map of America. Got a cool picture of a combi van, but not drafting. Yeah, so the whole thing is because you're going on a holiday and the cards you collect are the places you've been. You just sort of cross them off at their locations. You don't have to connect routes or anything like that. Okay. And if you finish a state before other people, you get a bonus or a territory, sorry, ACT. But um, if you finish a, a, an area, you get bonuses. If you collect souvenirs, you get bonuses in different ways. If you see animals, if you do different touristy stuff, they all score in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's similar but different. The most important question about this game, David. Yeah. Is Tasmania on this map? Yeah. The great Salamanca Markets feature. Well, there you go. And we, are we worth the most points? Uh, no. <laughs> 
but you're there. Oh, fantastic. Thank goodness. And you're green, so the colours are the state colours. Yes! Fantastic. Look, that sounds exciting. I am looking forward to playing that. Don't listen to Leon. He's not a big fan of Roland Wrights. I don't know why. We played a... Oh, I, in particular, played a few of them Bordicon. Probably not as hot on them as some people out there, but I do absolutely see the appeal. Who doesn't like rolling bones and who doesn't like drafting cards? Not many people. Well, especially if they come back to you. Exactly. You've got it. You should come to Gen Con and sell this next time. Well, you know, you've got some space in your suitcase. I do. Although, i got a few games to fit in. I'm a bit worried. I'm sure you do. Now, did you snaffle yourself a copy of the new Fantasy Flight Marvel LCG that got released? Nah. <laughs> No, but, so Fantasy Flight, yeah, they did surprise people. They announced that and a new Arkham game. And the buzz, and I mean, I don't get to do a lot of walking around. It's mostly the people that walk past or the things that I just happen to see. So my data collection isn't wide. Yes. But I, I mean, sure, who doesn't want another LCG and superheroes? But I think that Arkham game, is the one that people at the con are more excited about. And maybe because it's easier to get into. So, you know, it only came out yesterday. Is that final hour? Yeah, it sounds like it's basically Arkham Horror in an hour and lots of frantic real-time stuff going on. So I'm, I'm actually really keen to try that one. But we'll see. I'll give anything a go if it's, you know, a card game or a board game. Fair enough. Or some other things I've heard, but we won't go into that. No. So you're spending most of your time on an actual booth, is that right? You have a Grail Games booth? Yep. Are you sharing it with anyone or is it a solo booth? It's linked to other booths, I guess you could say, but it's solely a Grail booth. It's the third time been there but it's really frustrating it's a good problem i guess but gen con it's really hard to get in now and it and you every year you ask for more space and every year they say no yes so it's hard to make the small spaces they give you work but i'm thankful to be here Who, who's around you what other publishers are around you there we're in a good spot so renegade we got oh nice there's heaps right there plan b we had a queue for everdell you know, basically in our booth on the first morning. That was what everyone rushed for at our end of the hall. For Starling Games, yeah. There's heaps of people. Oh, Stronghold's a, a diagonal booth away. It's it's all happening, yeah. Game right. I have to look at freaking Sushi Roll every all day, every day. <laughs> is the professor there or is he just taking it easy back at home? The professor? <laughs> Your brother? Yeah, he's at home. He doesn't need to be here. The games sell themselves, right? Yeah, of course they do. That's right. Now, so you mentioned you're hard working on the booth. On the little time you have had to wander around and see things, obviously you've caught a glimpse of Arkham Horror Final Hour. Are there some other games or some other booths that have really caught your attention? One game made me stop and my jaw dropped. <gasps> yeah, so because I'm a weird person. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Plan B or slash Next Move Games. Yeah to pick up a little card game that they put out called 5211 because it used to be a Japanese micro game that I was super keen on doing, but they beat me to it. So I wanted to go to Plan B, not for Gollum editions or any other. You know, I wanted this mini little card game they put out for some reason. So I went there to look at it, and what was on all the tables but era by Mr. Pandemic. So it's basically based on Roll Through the Ages, but it's a 3D, heavy plastic, lots of chunky bits building a city game. And I just stood there watching it and it looked 
amazing and immense fun. So tonight my job is to see if this massive box is going to fit in my bag. Oh. Yeah, they've got an expansion here and everything. And it just, like, I t- to tell you the truth, I'm knocking another publisher here, but when I first saw it, the colours and that, I was like, ugh. Yes. But the more I stood there and watched them play, it looked so much fun. And it's huge. So... Just the, oh, it fills a whole table. I, I can't wait to try that. So that's obviously Matt Leacock. And I note, though, the um, the artist is Chris Quilliams. He also did the art on 5211, by the way. But, you know, things like Azul and Archipelago and so many gorgeous-looking games. I'm just having a, a look on the screen here while you talk with the little plastic houses and things. It looks fascinating. It's very un-pandemic-y. Yeah, and the way people were building their cities... It wasn't just some isolated building over here and one over here. It was like a, it looked like a walled city was being built. It looked really cool. And speaking of Azul, word on the street is the prototype of the third Azul was seen on the streets here. So we'll see. Well, you'll have to keep an eye out and maybe tell us about that one when you come back. Anything else caught your eye? Um, let me see. Let me think. Let me see. I don't know. Gen Con is really hard for an exhibitor to take in a lot. So Plan B are near me, and I walk past Fantasy Flight every day on the way. So it's a bit hard to take note of what I'm looking at. And when the crowds come in, it's just mental. So I only see what I see, but there's a lot of people carrying a lot of games. And to be honest, if you were to look in everybody's bag, you see something new every time. And that's a habit you get into. Someone comes to you and you just look in their bag. What have they bought? And there's a lot of stuff being sold. Another big one's probably Black Angel. I've seen a lot of that, which is the new Pearl Games game. Similar to Trois, apparently. Yes, Garth mentioned that one in last week's show, that he uh, had his eye on that one. It sounds big, but I don't know what sort of presence it has there. Have you heard about this thing called uh, Tabaru, which is the sort of the table that you sit zombie side, I think it might be zombie side invaders on, and it's a like a digital interface that basically senses where the figures are, runs the rules. It's like a digital tabletop that the game goes on. Um, have you seen that at all? That's um, Simon or, or Come On are doing that. Sounds good. I haven't even been to their booth. It's totally at the other end. Yeah. You know Salamanca Markets that I mentioned? I do. So this exhibition hall, it's more than that. It's There's so much to fit in. It's like if someone said... Go and get me a wooden pepper shaker from Salamanca. Which of the 50 wooden pepper maker, you know, stores would you go to? That's right. (laughs) Ah, decisions, decisions. But now that you've mentioned it, I'll go look up Tabaru or whatever it was. Tabaru, T-E-B-E-R-U. It's table in Japanese. All right. I'll go check it out. Sounds cool. Have you got out to uh, Lucas Oil Stadium? So I said just the other day to someone, that's the one place, I've been to Gen Con three times, that's the one place I've never gotten to. Like there's a huge convention centre, the one building, and in that you've got the massive exhibition hall, and around it there's all these other rooms where all the events and talks and shows happen. Upstairs there's all the RPG. Mm Mm-hmm which is basically just as big again. Yes. But the problem is Lucas Oil, it might be connected, but it's a walk away. And this is America, and walking anywhere 
it's surprisingly difficult. <laughs> in fact, the cool thing this year in India, this is a sidetrack. I don't know if you've got them in Tasmania, but you know those like um, scan your phone and you can use this bike to go somewhere for a few bucks type of thing that hang out in the streets. Do you know what I'm talking about? You can do that with your horse here, but not bikes yet. Right. So when you scan the barcode on the horse's bridle and you get on for a dollar and you can just trot around and then get off. Sixpence. To Bob. Well, here they've got um, electric scooters. So there's like millions of uber nerds shooting off at all angles at all times all over the city on these electric scooters and but just sadly lucas oil is out of my grasp because if i'm not in a booth i'm in a meeting unfortunately it's all very boring but i wish i could get there i'm going to the baseball tonight does that count yeah who's playing i don't know <laughs> that's okay i don't follow baseball i'm sure that there's an indiana team yeah it's a no it's like a minor league thing it's not the big show yeah well you can get into it when they start the that's all very exciting, apparently. Oh, I can't wait. Lucas Oil Stadium, that's that big, like, open play area, isn't it, really? But to be honest, Mark, right, if I came to Gen Con as a person... Mm -hmm. Not as a celebrity, yeah. I could easily spend four days and not play a game. There's enough stuff on. Sure, it takes two days to see every booth in the exhibition hall, if you care, but that other two to three days... There are so many events. All the big hotels are connected to the convention center. In all their foyers and lobbies, there's different activities going on, different sessions of RPGs. Like here in my hotel, the BGG Games Library is here. Oh, wow. It's just uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe two bucks or something you get in and you get to play all the hot games before you go buy them. I wouldn't need Lucas Oil Stadium, but I've seen photos and videos. It's jam-packed of guys and girls playing awesome games. Well, there you go. That was part one of Mark's interview with Dave Harding from Grail Games, live from the show floor at Gen Con. Sounds like there was a lot going on over he, there. He was having a pretty good time, I think, and I could hear people in the background trying to grab his attention. So, look, we've got more to come. I really did appreciate him, though, taking the time because it was about, I think it was about 4.30, 5pm on Friday evening, obviously really busy, about to get in the weekend. Stuff was selling like crazy, as he described all the booths around him going mad. I mean, imagine, what do they get? 60,000 people like over that. the four days. It's just incredible. Anyway, when we come back, I drill David Harding about Grail, what they've been doing and what they've got coming up soon. So we've got that exciting stuff to come. We'll take a quick break now and be back. Hello, everybody. This is Steve O'Rourke from New York in the United States, and you're listening to the Dice Men Coven. <laughs> that was Gorillas with Feel Good Ink. I was going to say, they laugh almost as much as David Harding does, did you notice? Well, he does bring his own laugh back <laughs> with him. He does, that for sure, and he throws in, <laughs> he throws in a few snorts every now and again. <laughs> I was in stitches, I must admit. I would be laughing too if I was at Gen Con. Yeah. Having the time that he sounds like he's having. And we better listen to part two of that where you drill down on everything Grail Games. Here you are, Mark. Listen to yourself. So now, let's get to the hard questions or the harding questions, perhaps. These meetings, David, these meetings, they're obviously with other gaming companies, other publishers, other designers, artists, all sorts. Can you tease us anything? 
You know we want the scoop. Yeah, I can tease you. <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> no, I won't tease you. Yeah, I can tease you. So, Grail's got a lot going on. Is that what you want to know? Yes, please. Yeah, so I just told you that. <laughs> no, yeah, so I'm meeting with artists, designers. So tomorrow I'm meeting with Matthew Dunstan. You know him, I'm sure. I do, yeah, we've, we've had a chat. Today I met with people like Quan Chai Moria, um, Philip DeBarry, so you can sense that things might be coming out soon. Um, other artists, other designers, manufacturers, publishers from other countries. So it's all very busy, very exciting. Distributors too, that's not as exciting. Yeah, so great. we got a lot of stuff coming out. Had a few months to, you know, have a bit of a rest or hibernate a bit. But now that winter's about over, it's time to wake up and get strong again okay now look i'm sure there are things that you can't tell us because of industry secrets and non-disclosure and all those things but hey tell us some anyway (laughs) okay well i can tell you stuff that i'm doing oh okay so the next game from grail is going to be by tom lehman of uh race for the galaxy fame is Rado going to do the uh, do a video? Don't start. Sorry, tomato, I should say. Sorry, I couldn't help it. And for what it's worth, I hope he does. So when I say next, that's the plan. It's still a couple of months away before it gets to Kickstarter, but definitely soonish. It's called Chu Han because it's based um, on two warring states from old China, Chu and Han, um, historical. And um, it's a two-player card game. At its heart, you know, it sort of feels like Tichu for two because you're trying to get rid of all your cards. The card play sort of is um, representing battle and intrigue and all that stuff. But you're trying to get rid of your cards and the person that does get rid of their cards at the end of each round will score points based on what had happened during that round. But there's a lot of cool cards with effects. That's what Tom Lehman does well, right? Yes. And there's the strength, there's the challenge of do I play this card as part of this set over here to be strong or do I play it for its action on its own so it's perfect for grail because at its heart it's really simple and rules light but I've got a couple of people that have played it over a hundred times each because they started testing it and just loved it so much so it's it's one of those games where it can become a lifestyle sort of a game for you. It's it's like a great abstract game where you can play it once or you can play it a million times. The game won't change, but you get better at it. Sounds like a perfect couples game or something like that. If you like hurting each other, yes. <laughs> On the table. We won't go into that. In tabletop, not in real life. And that one's coming to Kickstarter shortly, you said? Yeah, so that there'll be a standard edition, which is just sort of a card game, and then a deluxe version with some nice mahjong pieces and uh, score tracks and stuff. That is what Kickstarter will be for. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that'll go down a treat, I'm sure. I hope. And next year there'll be a couple more games in the Medici family, new from Mr. Kine- Dr. Kinetia, as well as another Kinetia or two thrown in there and another reprint that I can't quite announce yet from another designer and all sorts of things. So you can't tell us the name of the reprint. Can you tell us the name of the designer? Because, I mean, I'm sure they've made lots of games. All right. Marco Teubner, who's famous for My Little Carcassonne and My First Stone Age and all that stuff. But he's done some more adult games as well. So, yeah, he can be a detective there. I can. Fantastic. That's very exciting, though. Yeah. What's next after uh, Chuhan? Can you tell us about that one? 
after Tuhan, it, it, it's probably going to be Medici the Dice Game. Not 100% sure of the schedule yet. It depends on when art finishes and so on, but probably Medici the Dice Game. So we've done Medici and Medici the Card Game. Next will be Medici the Dice Game. And we've also got, you know how Yellow and Yangtze last year was Tigris and Euphrates 2, sort of? Yes. So Medici 2, if you want to call it that. Ooh is coming, but it's more different to Medici than Yellow and Yangtze was from Tigris. Okay. Wow, that's exciting. But it definitely feels similar. That's brilliant. I'm just going to keep saying anything else until you run out of stuff to say. Anything else? Of course, but my voice is failing me, so maybe that's enough for now and you can ring again in a month or two. <laughs> oh, no, you're going to make me come back. I know, look, I... I that's awesome. And, David, we really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I know you're absolutely flat out there. One more thing before you go. Have you caught up with any of the the really, really big names in our hobby? Have you met some people you haven't met before? Oh, get this. So, Stefan Feld is here. <gasps> <laughs> the European designers almost never come out. Um, in fact, last year was the first year I saw European publishers with a presence here. It's only recently that a lot of publishers like Pegasus, um, Ravensburger, Cosmos, they've started doing things in English themselves instead of licensing things to other companies. So starting last year, I don't know, maybe 2017, they started exhibiting at Gen Con. And because they're new, it's so funny to see these massive companies from Europe in tiny little booths. <laughs> but um they're all here, and so now suddenly things are getting even more international, like Essen normally is, and so Stefan Feld is here for the first time. Oh, wow. And I met him, and gee, he's polite and meek, and nothing's gone to his head, I'll tell you that. And um, one of the people I'm here with is German, and they were just talking forever because she's collected all his games, Yep. and he's just so sweet. So I met with him, Quan Chai Moria, as I mentioned before. Yes, um, Alan Moon I saw but didn't end up talking to. <laughs> Does that count? Yes, of course. Oh, Martin Wallace is here. I saw him go by. <laughs> this is what it's like. People go by or they come for a meeting. It's a bit hard. But, yeah, heaps of people. And have any other Aussies dropped by, firstly to say g'day, of course, but to see Boomerang? <laughs> the only Australians I've met is uh, I know that good games are here. So they're here. Does Dan May count as Australian? He sure does. <laughs> He's here. That could be, I don't know, there could be more, but they're the only ones I've met, yeah. Okay, and any any media people? Have you had the, the board game geek people buzzing around interviewing you or anything like that? Um, one of the people I work with at Gen Con is Nikki from Game Night. I don't know if you know their show. Yes. So Lincoln and Nikki I know quite well and Aldi and Eric Martin. So, yeah, I see them all the time. I'm in the hotel where all the BGG is and... Dice Towers and Secret Cabals are all staying, so... All the big wigs. Yeah. And you're still talking to us. Yeah, well, they don't talk to me. You're always welcome with us, David. <laughs> no, they say hello. Tell them I said hello back. I will tell. I'm so glad you're having a great time there. Of course, it's very busy, but it sounds like your games are going off like a uh, prawn left out in the sun that's not on the Barbie too long. Yeah, exactly. Excited also to see Chuhan come to Kickstarter and to hear about some of these other games. So keep in touch. Any final messages for your fans who we know there are many who listen to our show? Really? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for listening to their show and thank you for playing some games. That's awesome.
That's great. Well, I'll let you get back to the party. Obviously, it's the is tonight the doof doof night where you all go and paint the town red on a Friday night. You don't know me very well, do you? It's, tonight is bedtime as soon as I get back from the baseball. So I'm having a night off after, oh, not after this, but soon to go to the baseball to just be away from Gen Con, yes. which I've never done before. So get away for a bit because, oh, man, I, getting here was such a struggle, but that's a whole other hour, so we won't go into that. Okay. I just need to get away, and then, yeah, tomorrow night will be early night, then early night, then early night. <laughs> okay. You're living it up there in Gen Con, David, that's for sure. Yeah. And I'll send you a boomerang, and the great thing is that if you don't like it, it'll come back. Ah, <laughs> oh, David, look, I'm going to let you go and play baseball, uh, watch baseball. But, look, thank you so much for taking the time there in your busy schedule. I mean, no jokes. I know it is absolutely flat out there. You're a very busy man. We'd love to see that you are keeping the Aussie flag flying and the boomerang coming back and all those other great Aussie things in um, the massive world of board gaming that it is now. So all the best. Yo. We'll touch base when you come back. And thank you again. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go. He talked about Stefan Feld being, you know, one of the loveliest people. But David Harding has got to be one of, if not the most, loveliest people in board gaming, not just in Australia, but in the world. He's so obliging. Mark, I'm sitting right here. Like I'm right here and you're talking about someone else. You're a nice person, Garth. Just not as nice as Dave I Harding. I respect you, but hey, you know Dave Harding, that's for sure. That's but, true. But seriously, as I said, I could I could hear people talking to him in the background he had got in touch with me beforehand and said, can we go a little bit early because I've got a really busy schedule? So I'd got up half an hour earlier than we had originally planned, which was fine, you know. <laughs> and, look, it was just it was great to hear that he's got a lot going on because Grail Games have been a great little Aussie company, really gone from strength to strength, and particularly with what happened with our other friends uh, from Brisbane it's great to see at least that one company is doing really well. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future mm. with, with Dave and Grail Games. Yeah. So, look, that was Gen Con. Now, Mark, there's a couple of things that you wanted to talk about and raise before we moved on to, to a game we've been playing yeah. lately. Uh, you want to talk about how much money you've been spending, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm about to spend, yes. So, I have talked, I think I talked, I teased this before it launched, and I think I've talked every week since. Ether Fields by Awaken Realms. Of course, they did Lords of Hellas. They did Nemesis. They did Tainted Grail. They did This War of Mine. And coming to an end in five hours now in real time. So it'll obviously be finished by the time the podcast goes out. So you've missed out. I'm sorry if you haven't got on board. But this game, I have loved it ever since I saw a preview way, way early. I think they, they actually gave as a free gift a deck of cards, just playing cards, with some of the art from this game, with Nemesis when the f first wave of shipping, because, of course, I backed the second wave, which still hasn't arrived, um, but I saw those pictures then and was absolutely fascinated with these huge minis and the game, Sorado's video. This thing, it 
went off with a bang on the very first day because, again, it was one of those ones where they gave a free figure. Yeah, the first 24 the hours first, you get a something or other, don't in you? In the first 24 hours. And so obviously everyone who had received shipping updates and things about Nemesis and about Tainted Grail had known that this was coming. So, of course, they all got on board very early. So it did about £2 million, pounds, it's all in pounds, on the very first day, yeah. basically. And then it's... Not flatline, but just gently gone up, and they're very good at adding in, oh, let's add a pledge with this, and let's add this add-on, and they manage the stretch goals really, really well. And you know it's always going to be pretty big. I didn't realise it would be quite as big as it has become. Well, you and I had a chat maybe the day or two after you pledged, and you were convinced that you weren't going to go in for anything above the base game and maybe you might add on a play mat yep. or maybe you might do something. But, mm-hmm. nah, I'm not going on for the, the expansion version and all that because all that does is add minis and who needs minis to make a game better? Mark, what's your investment going to be in five hours' time when this finally wraps up? Well, I think uh, I think it's about 200 Australian, but that's because... Some of the add-ons and things I'm going to do in the pledge manager, uh, I think it's going to be more than 300 by the time I get to the end. But there's like now, just there's, letting you know. Sorry to interrupt, Mark, but yeah. right then it passed 3.8 million pounds. Oh, excellent! That means the last stretch goal got funded. I wonder if they're going to put up any more. Two seconds ago, it's clicking along. Yeah, here it just keep the numbers just keep moving as yes. we're sitting here staring at. It. There is some look if you get a chance to look at the kickstarter page even after it's done check out some of the minis and like they have done with their previous campaigns they probably there's a mini expansion and they did that with the same thing with tainted grail where it doesn't add any gameplay but instead of cardboard tokens you can have these absolutely amazing minis because they started as a mini painting company and they're known for their minis and i was very much i don't need those minis it's another probably 100 bucks i don't need it now i need them I absolutely need well, them. Well, I don't think you just need them. You you made the um, potentially the very smart decision of, of showing this to your partner. Yes. Convinced that your yes. partner wouldn't need all this extra stuff and then maybe as a, as a joint decision, the two of you in a perfect harmonious relationship said, yes, yes, we need this plastic. Yeah, yeah. And they've done this really clever thing where they had about half the minis designed, the, the add-on minis, before the uh, campaign launched, and then they have done little votes where people vote in the comments for updates. They've done, like, an update a day, but they'll put, say, four pictures of strange-looking things because this is, you know, it's a dream crawler. It's anything can happen in this. They'll put out four pictures, and then people will vote for the picture. They've had... uh, In the game, you can advance your character and it'll actually evolve into something completely different where you get a second mini for the character. They've got people to basically say what sort of look they would like and then they've built the character from that. So it's a huge level of engagement in the community, which I think is part of what drives people like me, for every morning when I wake up, I go and check what the latest update is. Yeah. And, and it must be said, we are not paid 
advertises so Mark is giving lots of his hard-earned money for this and, uh, well, and look, it looks spectacular. I hovered over it yeah. and then when you said, I'm going to go in there, I went, well, I don't need to anymore and I'm glad I didn't because it's your money and not mine. Well, and as I said, I didn't expect it to be as big as their other games. They had, uh, as we mentioned, Nemesis. Yeah, well, let's put that into context. Yeah. Because the number one game of all time is still that Kingdom Death Monster 1.5. So that is the number one board game or tabletop project, which has got nearly 12 and a half, just under $12.4 million dues. So that's pretty spectacular from a a tabletop effort. Although... Under 20,000 backers because yes. it was a very expensive was, project. Yeah. You needed to have a lot of zeros to be um, able to get the full pledge. And, you know, you compare that with something that was really, really cheap like Exploding Kittens that I think was about the, just over $8 million, but had almost 220,000 backers. So it's a whole different ball game. In fact, almost $9 million, a whole different ball game style of game. But then pretty much all the other big name games are except for Seven the Continent – Big mini games. So Tainted Grail from Awakened Realms is the fourth biggest one. Yep. Uh, and then Nemesis was, I think, number eight. Ether Fields is now sitting at number seven. Yeah, so Awakened Realms have now got time. three of the top ten games. That's right. And so Ether Fields, as you said, it's just cracked 3.8 million pounds. It's got, was it 23, 24th? No, over... Th- 30,000? I've lost the number now. Well, yeah, in terms of, 30, of backers... 31,000 backers? In terms of backers, it's actually the fifth most successful campaign. Amazing. So it's just behind Tainted Grail, but it is above Dark Souls, which is, again, you know, IP that a lot of people know and a lot of people love, whether or not the game was any yeah, good. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at... The, they have no... Sorry, it's all original IP. They've passed, and so Etherfield's just passed Batman... So I don't know whether that'll pass Zombie Side or Dark Souls. It's only got five hours to go, but I a lot of people have been saying because of the theme, because it was just a little bit way out this dream crawler thing, that it wouldn't attract as many people as may you know the sort of the alien knockoff of Nemesis or Tainted Grail, the sort of Arthurian game that in gameplay-wise, seem to be a little bit similar to Seventh Continent because you've got map cards and you draw out a map like that. So, oh, look, I, I think it's pretty good and I think we've talked enough about that. Probably. So, anyway, how about we throw to a song mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about another game that wasn't announced at Gen Con but possibly could have been, yes. but it's getting a lot of buzz in the last 24 hours. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about a little Australian game that'll be out this time next week. Right. So, you're with the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hello everyone, your friendly neighbourhood Leon here. Just a quick break in the action to remind you all on how the fun ways you can support the show. You can jump on over to Patreon where you can donate, which has helped us over the last five years, get to great conventions all around Australia and hopefully internationally. You can give as much or as little as you like. Personally, I would ask, maybe just give us a dollar. I give to about 12 different podcasts a dollar a month. I don't even notice that it's gone, but trust me, they know that it's in there, and if everyone listening to my voice right now gave us that dollar, we would be much, much appreciative. Also, you could jump onto Redbubble and type in Dice Men Cometh and get any kind of merch there that you're after. You can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get mugs, you can get stickers, any type of size, colours, anything you want. We've been doing them for years, and they are absolute quality. 
Also, you could go over to iTunes and chuck us a cheeky five-star review. It doesn't seem like much, but it is the reason how we get our podcast out there to international listeners especially, because those charts put us ahead of things like Google searches and things like that, and it is also very, very helpful. And just follow us all on the social medias. You've got your Facebooks, you've got your Instagrams, you've got your Twitters, you've got all that kind of stuff. Every single bit of it, we put different content on it, so it's not just the same stuff recycled over and over again. And if you want to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, you can get in touch with us on those socials or at DiceMenCometh at gmail.com. We've had many, many sponsors over the years, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities for the show or anything to that nature, that's where you can get a hold of us. Now, Back to the action. Oh, Ben Folds had a little bit of an accident there, it sounds like, uh, with young Julianne, obviously a friend of his, here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Dice Men. We've had some amazing Gen Con coverage. We've just talked about a massive game. Now, you'd think, if you think back to episode 271, we talked about all those... What was the number Leon said? 600 or something ridiculous games yeah, that were being released. Number. Or games and expansions that were being released at Gen Con. You'd think the last thing you want to do as a game company would be to release a game the week after Gen Con. <laughs> but hey, Jamie Stegmeyer and Stonemeyer Games, they, they've been known to shake the industry up a little bit with the, the things they do and they seem to know what they're doing. Well, yeah, exactly right. So Jamie Stegmeyer, for those who've been living under a board gaming rock, uh, designer of Scythe, designer of Viticulture, Charterstone, Euphoria, a whole bunch of other games, but Stonemeyer games have been they've pretty much established a really good reputation for good quality, not at all heavy games. Well, don't forget, of course, the recent Kenner Spiel this year, us winner Wingspan, of course, yeah. of course, of course. But look, they've they've produced a whole bunch of incredibly popular games, and yes, yesterday at some point during the day, they announced. Tapestry, which unlike Scythe is not a 115-minute game, <laughs> they've actually gone out on a limb and made it a, a much longer game and called it two hours. So, look, I think they're going really heavy in this game, going from the 115 minutes to 120 mm. minutes. So we'll see how that plays out. So Tapestry is not about weaving and, you know, creating, I don't know, a new bio Carpets. tapestry. Who knows? Although it very well could be. But what it is is it where you and maybe up to four of your friends, because this is one to five players, will basically start from nothing and advance through any of these four advancements tracks, the science and technology and exploration and military and earn progressively better benefits, i.e. you will upgrade. You can focus on various tasks and tracks and maybe spread your things a bit all over the place and make it balanced, but we all know that someone's going to go hardcore one track, because mm-hmm. that's what people do. It's a civilization game. You and there is so little information about yes. this. Is everything I've just said is from the Stonemeyer ga- Games website, which currently has one picture of the box. You go to Board Game Geek and it's new design and it's new way- layout and it's new logo, which we must talk about. And there are precisely two pictures, both of which are the board game box. And we've got nothing to reference this against except in the blurb, they say, if you like Feast for Odin or Mombasa or Russian Railroads, 
we think you'll like it. That's uh, it's a that's, pretty broad spectrum well, of games, even just the three they. I was going to say about. those are three very different games. I have to admit, I haven't played Mombasa, but you know what popped into my head? Feast for Odin, Tetrisy thing. And they, it's called tapestry. Maybe there's some sort of mechanic when you're that you're putting pictures together and, and shapes and things. Yep. As you build your civilization, which yeah, would well, be that clever. Makes sense. And Andrew Bosley, who's the artist who's done Everdell, Mission Red Planet, Citadels, a few other things. I mean, I think Everdell is just still such a beautiful game. Yeah. You know, it's only twelve months old, and when Pearlbrook comes out, I think that'll look exceptional as well. So, look, this is really interesting, but we have virtually no information to go on, except that it will not be kickstarted. It'll be a retail release. You'll be able to buy it through the Stonemaier website, and you'll be able to hopefully buy it through a friendly local game store. Yeah, and Garth, help me out. I'm having a mental blank. What's the name of that civilization game we had with the tiles oh, that lay over the top? There you go. So maybe... Not exactly like that, but maybe a little bit similar. Who knows? I mean, we're, we're totally speculating. We are stage. absolutely flying blind here, but if anything we said is remotely right, <laughs> you heard it here yes, first. That's right. Now, let's talk about love, Mark. Oh, Garth. I know, really? and it's so good to be able to talk about this with just you and me and not Ooh, Leon wow. you know, in the corner. Uh, so what we wanted to talk about is a game that we played ever so slightly, ever so gently a uh, couple of nights ago, and it is Matchbreaker. Mm. Now, Matchbreaker is a little Australian design by Bill Northcott, who is from the southest of Australias and is a friend of our good friend Matt Lee, who is the head honcho at the Campaigner magazine, which yeah. is an Australian tabletop publication. And, look, thank you so much uh, to Matthew for saying, what, you've designed a board game, my mate and Bill, why don't you send a copy of it down to the Dice Men Cometh? Because, hey, they're good guys. They'll check it out for you. They'll give you some feedback. And who knows, they might even mention it on their podcast. Well, who even knows? And this is what we're doing. So Bill has had a very... I guess, video game heavy career. Yeah. He's done a lot of work. He's worked in Fallout 4 and some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff. And he's just been, you know, I presume pressing a lot of keystrokes on the keypad <laughs> and maybe drawing some stuff. Yeah. But this is his foray into tabletop. And it is, as your voice alluded to, kind of a love board game amalgamation. What's well, very much reminiscent of those 80s and 90s TV dating shows. Correct. You know, for me, I remember... I'm a bit older. I remember Perfect Match with Dexter the Robot. Well, you were there with the first Apple, weren't you? The very first <laughs> reality yeah, TV show quite. where... No, not quite. So, but, look, in this game, you will all be playing as uh, as contestants trying to woo your perfect bachelor. Or bachelorettes. Or bachelorettes. And there will be three of them up at any given time, and each of them will have traits. They will be having a certain personality type, and you you need them to connect with you. You need to have the same personality type as them, and you can't control your personality type because that's randomly determined at the start of the game. Mm -hmm. They're going to reveal the three trait types and you'll have them face up and everyone will see what kind of person you really, truly are, Mark Ricards. Who, me? Garth, what what are you saying? But this is a very light, very quick 15 to 30-minute card game where essentially what you're going to be doing on your turn is you're going to be drawing up a couple of cards so that your hand is always nice and full. You're then going to do three actions, and the three actions will include... Putting down potentially a trait on your one true love, 
you'll be placing it face down and every one of the contestants will have up to three traits that they can actually have or maybe more because you also might find people you don't particularly like mm. and a card you might play may be a red flag. So this this Adonis that you just think is God's gift to men or women or both is actually a serial killer. Or, in fact, one situation we had was this absolutely gorgeous young girl who had so much going for her, turned out she was not just a bedwetter but also a nose picker. Correct. And, look, we all have our quirks. <laughs> and board gaming is something where we embrace the quirks mm-hmm. and we love that. Uh, but ultimately we are also gamers and we want to get points and the way you're going to win is by getting the best relationship with the most well, with more people, you, you're, you're going towards a certain number of hearts and a, a certain contestant or, or bachelor or bachelorette that you're trying to, to woo may only have enough hearts to get you some way towards your final goal. So this game is really simple. It's really quick. And, yes, you say it does embrace that 80s and 90s really out there art. I think it looks like it would be at home on the back of some gaudy cereal boxes, yes. really. So if anyone has played maybe a 90s lo-fi computer game, it's got that kind of big spectacles and massive hair, and I'm just, I'm just still picturing growing up in the 80s and 90s and going, I saw those ads yep. and I saw those leggings on a whole bunch of yeah, shows. Yeah, let's get physical and let's mash up, say... Um, like a dinosaur island, the look of that with something like Leisure Suit Larry, perhaps you know, <laughs> think think that sort of bold, colourful look. Yeah, and you look, it's you're going to be doing a combination of things, and as I say, you've got three actions. You you might be trying to make sure that the people you're trying to attract will have similar traits to you, or more than likely you're going to be trying to mess up other people's plans. And they are called drama cards that you're playing that might oh, involve God, you. Such a drama I queen. Know taking cards from other players, swapping traits that you might have with someone that you really want to have that trait but you just don't have it in your hand. That's right. You can change your personality to match your perfect match who wasn't your perfect match before. So that sort of byplay between players um, we found was quite fun, messing each other around. Look, at the end of the day, this game is not revolutionary in any way, shape or form. But ultimately, if a game is fun, then it deserves to be recognised as such, and it was. It's an Australian design, and we are all for that. It had interesting art, and it looked cool, which which was also a bonus. It played quick, which for the type of game it is, is exactly what you want, because this is not a game that's going to entertain you for the whole night. It is a start or a filler, and it's launching in a week. So by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be up. It's Match Breaker. It's by Bill Northcott, Australian game designer. Don't know what the price is going to be, I hope that it's good value and I hope the target is low because I want this to fund. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we talked so much about these new Kickstarters. They need to set a realistic target to hit. Let's hope they do that. Um, It's got an awesome video. We've had a preview of that. Garth, guess what? Time's up. We are out of time again, but that's great because we've got through a whole bunch of stuff that we wanted to get through. We can let the people go and play games knowing that if they come back in a week's time, we'll be back here again and maybe we'll have Leon with us. Bye. Bye. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.